Hello, welcome to another episode of Clips Chat. I seem to find it's really empty. Actually, we have Timothy Larkin. You know him as my trusty co-host. But I hear you've been involved in a little project. First of all, for people listening watching, tell us a bit about you. got involved with uh, Australian disability because well, like it, I don't know it, how do I describe the story well I guess I'll just describe how it came about I saw on Facebook that Australian disability was searching for more members to form the board and after I like looked into the mission and stuff and what Australian disability aims to achieve I saw that that aligns a lot with what I am trying to achieve, which is equality for people with disabilities. And why wouldn't I have taken the opportunity to join into an organization that shares the same ideals as myself, but also is looking to create better pathways for people with disability in Australia. So I think being part of it and like watching how, uh, the organization is going to grow over the years is a really inspiring thing for me i also uh, got involved in the crypt chat side of things because i believe there needs to be more education on disability and what better way to do that than to actually put yourself out there and, and be the one doing the educating uh so i guess my knowledge of disability comes from lived experience. Uh, I have hypermobility spectrum disorder. So in summary, my joints are super bendy or some of them. And with that, it means I have to use more effort to walk. So I use a wheelchair part time. And part of being in a wheelchair is seeing how inaccessible the world around you is. And that's part of what's inspired me to get involved with Australian disability is so we can address the issues in society such as access and uh, built sort of like, I guess, ingrained discrimination, like tearing that down through educating the public and yeah, getting involved has really helped encourage me to keep pursuing my 
OT degree so I can use the, the skills I learned from that to help further the mission, really. We do have a comment first of tonight. Thank you from Patricia. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Yes, hello Patricia and everyone else watching. I hope I haven't bored you too much with my rambling already. But uh, another thing uh, you were speaking of, the project I was working on, uh, th this also relates to disability, so it's uh, an important thing. Uh, I've been part of a co-design committee uh, for the past year or so, almost a year, I'd say, yeah. What, what even is time anymore in, in, during these times? I don't know how long length of time is. But uh, anyway, I've been working as part of a uh, co-design committee to put together, I, I believe it's the first uh, disability summit for young people with disabilities in Australia. So what the uh, main focus of the, the summit is, well, there's a few main focuses really, uh, but it's looking at access and inclusion. And in particular, it's seeking input from young people about what they want to see uh, in regards to access and inclusion, like what sort of improvements. Uh, it also focuses on education. So not only education about disability, but people with disabilities receiving education and how they are treated in schools, universities, and that sort of thing. So it it's the point of the summit is to really give young people with disability a platform to voice their ideas and suggestions. Uh, and also another thing that's going to be part of the summit is there's like the National Disability Strategy. And in part of that, uh, we're doing some interviews with young people with disabilities uh, across like a few different domains, like I said, education, uh, access and inclusion, and seeing what young people's feedback is in that area and once we gather the the feedback from there uh, the national disability strategy is what goes on to inform the ndis so it, it's quite a big thing been involved in setting up a youth alliance physical disability strategy. Now, what we have found is People assume that young people are digital natives and that they would on to technologies like Zoom 
consultation work uh, what this uh, summit is going to be is because of the current situation being the pandemic uh, we've had to move it all online so from what I gather most of the summits going to be run through platforms such as zoom and hop in but I believe like uh, when we're going to have like the consultations with people it's going to be uh, I think either in a one-on-one -on -one setting or in breakout rooms or I think up to five people that's just off the top of my head i could be wrong but it, it's providing some sort of online uh way for people to engage so i'm, I'm keen to see how that's going to play out actually because i've attended like online conferences for ot stuff and it's it's run quite well so i, I imagine it could be a similar scenario here and and seeing the planning that's gone into it especially around like accessibility options like they've got uh, inbuilt screen readers and stuff. Uh, they're going to have Auslan interpreters. So, uh, from what I've seen, it's going to be the most accessible online sort of disability-based uh, event. So, yeah, it's going to be a real learning thing for us all to see how it pans out. Really. Yeah, you bring up good talking point. I've been really pleased about how during the pandemic disability organizations have been really innovative in how they engage particularly with young people. I know I've been doing at least online Zoom social hour a week on top of my thing or my therapies on to telepractice, but I'm keen to hear from you, how we can maintain this momentum 
to create a more inclusive space. So if I heard your question right, because the internet's a bit bad on my end, how can we uh, continue the accessibility that we've had made available? And the momentum is created. Yeah, I, I guess uh, keeping the momentum going, that's probably going to keep going Touchwood for the duration of the pandemic because people aren't going to be going out as much, so they're going to be engaging more with social media and their phones and stuff. Uh, but in keeping the momentum going post-pandemic, that's probably when we're going to have to shift how we've done things from this online manner back to the, the physical world, but also keeping an aspect of the online world because I think people as a whole are going to be a lot more connected online, even in a world where we don't have to stay inside anymore. So you will be That's a good question you ask. So wheelchair motocross, uh, it stands for like it, the short of it is WCMX, uh, similar to like BMX or bike motocross. And uh, basically what it is, is using a wheelchair in a skate park in place of a skateboard or a scooter or a BMX bike to do like tricks and stuff. Uh, you've probably seen the guy from Nitro Circus, uh, Wheels, how he goes down like a mega ramp and does a backflip. So it's that sort of thing, like using a wheelchair to do extreme stunts. But in saying that, not everybody has to throw themselves down a like 30-story ramp in order to, to be a WCMX rider. It's basically just you take your wheelchair to the skate park and you use it how you, you know, a, a skateboarder or a bike rider would use their device to, to do tricks. And part of how uh, I got involved in it was I just saw videos of the guy from Nitro Circus when he landed the first wheelchair backflip. And I was like 12 at the time, so I bugged my parents to take me to the skate park. And I had like just a basic hospital wheelchair. And uh, I s started going down small stuff and then gradually... I got to bigger ramps and bigger ramps, and uh, one day I took my hospital wheelchair down a 12-foot drop-in and snapped it clean in half. So that was the end of that chair. Uh, then I was lucky enough to get a wheelchair that had suspension built into it, and after a bit of modification, I rode that for a while, a few years, and then eventually I was lucky enough to save up enough money to get 
a proper wheelchair uh, made for the sport, so made by the same guy who makes the wheelchairs uh, for the guy for Nitro Circus. And, um, so we have a long comment from I can read that one out for you if you want. Uh, so this one's from Sue, and she says, the thing I come across that frustrates me the most is the fact that people think that we're stupid just because a person can't express himself the same way as another. They think we're stupid and deaf. They speak slow and loud. It's annoying. Lynn Somerville had cerebral palsy and was incredibly intelligent. We're very good friends before he, he died. He performed all over the country with his trick dogs. And he was also a poet and regular on the Bob Francis show. If more people, uh, I won't actually load the rest of the comment from where I am. I'm uh, reading the comment from StreamYard. But, yeah, yeah I do uh, agree that people think people with disabilities uh, are incapable and, and, you know, that we're weak or less than human and and that's not the case at all that's part of why i'm looking forward to this summit so much is because it's going to shine light on the strengths that people with disabilities have and it's especially encouraging that we're going to be doing that from you know uh, a youth perspective so reminding young people with disabilities that they are more than a label and they are capable and also like yeah just reminding them really that they are capable and that they can advocate for a better life for themselves but like when you think how far we've come in the past 50 years regarding attitudes towards disability it's it's pretty good it could be could be better but there's been you know a lot of progress and people uh, well, the ones in particular who think people with disabilities aren't capable tend to think that we're not as good because they've never actually seen somebody with a disability do something normal, I guess, is what I'll, I'll say. Like, that's, I'll, I'll tie it back into wheelchair motocross, and that's why I like WCMX so much, is because when you see a wheelchair, like, drop in or do tricks, you don't see a disability you you see someone out there doing tricks so it kind of breaks down the the stigma that a wheelchair or disability is a bad thing and in reality it's not so i think that's where it all comes back to education i always say in in showing that people with disabilities can get out there and can achieve um it doesn't even have to be like physical things that we do like as sue said the that her friend was a poet and stuff like just because somebody can't speak verbally or or like signs or something it doesn't mean that they're not there in the head they just have a different way of communicating and it doesn't mean they're any less because of it but yeah it comes back to demonstrating that people with disabilities are capable we just have different ways of doing things Look, Sue and Tim and everyone else 
watching one of the reasons I started this organization is I had the same dream. I was a young kid with seven forty who if it wasn't for a few people I the Department of Education would be so if this friends people were shoved in a special school. And I became the first physically disabled student at my local primary school. The principal was too afraid of my apparent intellectual impairment, which I didn't even have to bring down the security. Testing great. So we had to every parent of the same year group and get them to support my own involvement. And then when I entered the hiding because near the end of primary I So they wanted to do me in 
Выжить. Да и вот это выжить. Лучше. Дэндэйко. Плэнд. Плэндэйко. My point is, in this world, exclusion is everywhere. In exclusion itself is what the because if institutions and individuals have the right attitude and teach the next generation and it is not okay to exclude someone based on the way they walk, the way they talk, the fact they may not see, hear, speak, or have the same incident or social capacity. No. My friends, but it's an opportunity to teach inclusion in its purest form. Yeah, I agree. When, like, segregation is terrible for a multitude of reasons, but when you look at, like, the effects of it, so when we put people or children with disabilities in special education units and don't let them have any mainstream classes, they are segregated. And not only are they kept away from the, the other students, the other students are kept away from them, so they don't have any exposure to disability or people who are, are different from them in physical or cognitive ability. And that's part of what continues the, the idea that segregation is okay because people get raised alongside that and they think that's just how it is. But like in schools where they are more inclusive, you, you see attitudes towards disability are, they're, they're what it should be. It, it's 
not really seeing disability at all. It's it's just treating people like people, regardless of what shape, colour, whatever they are. Like this is probably going to sound hippie, but at the end of the day, we're all made of atoms. Why does it matter how they're put together? Why can't we just treat each other, you know, decently? It doesn't really matter what shape or size you are. There's just treat each other like people. I, I don't understand why people are so hateful towards people who look different, but I guess that's just conditioning. I hate you in even deeper, but remember what Martin Luther King said, judge me not by the color of my Seeking part of the content of my character. Well, maybe it's time the disability rights movement coined the Saying, me not my my lack of ability, but celebrate my uniqueness as a individual yeah exactly and in 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 saying that every person disabled or not does have something to contribute to society even if the person has a cognitive disability it just because they for instance might not be able to talk they might be the most kind and loving person in the world like my sister for instance she is mostly non-verbal and she's just super loving and, and stoked about life and she's just got like a zest for life that I've never seen in anyone else and that's a uniqueness that only she has that I've seen only in her and so to value like what people bring as opposed to what they you know don't have so to speak that's kind of the, the takeaway messages focus on the the good in people and, and see more than the shell. I get to bring my personal story for second. The most ironic thing was when I graduated primary school in the same year that principal left 
again the education side of things like showing that people with disabilities are indeed capable and if not more capable than their able-bodied counterparts like for instance if a, a person with a disability has obtained higher education and shows more skill set why wouldn't you hire them like i think people tend to turn down people with disabilities on jobs because they have like assumptions about what they can and can't do so they just think oh well i might have to install a wheelchair ramp or i might have to do this or that or like they'll you know they'll just jump to like conclusions about what the person can and can't do without actually asking the person whereas if they have an able-bodied applicant alongside that person they don't have to think about those access questions so that's why they tend to exclude people with disabilities because there's a lot of like underlying assumptions and challenging those assumptions is what's going to open up more space and allow more people with disabilities to be employed it's really just a, a case of see what we can do not what we can't we have Oh, thank you, Betty. I guess it's a Sorry, Jonathan, I couldn't hear you over my internet. She says, you're I guess that another point I wanted to raise is when the level of complimenting become too much. Yeah. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, yeah, there is like a fine line between compliments and condescending like i understand that because i was an able-bodied person at one point in my life and although i've always grown up alongside disability i can understand the the sort of like looking at disability and thinking that it's you know this pitiful thing so when you see a person with a disability doing something mundane or for themselves you you think oh you know good on them it really touches my heart type thing but like that's a very shallow view to take hang on my alarm's going off let me just shut that off uh but yeah back to the point um the point where it becomes like 
condescending is like i think if you disregard what the people with disability are actually saying or trying to convey or even if they're you know just doing something simple and you come along and pat them on the back for it type thing even if the person with a disability has said you know they don't think they're exceptional because of what they're doing like yeah i understand that it can be from a like positive sort of place but it yeah it's how people say it that makes it sound condescending what is say the most recent sort of example I can give of this and I don't know if you've experienced this yourself but like in the pandemic times especially if you go out to a store or something people completely ignore the the social distancing and they will like lean over you and pretty much shove their ass in your face like I've had people fall on me during this pandemic and usually people don't trip over me they see me like I've had people back into me and fully like fall onto my lap so like people it, it seems people are really quite disregarding of people with disabilities especially during this time like that's just an observation I've made but prior to that what really annoys me is like if I'm doing something as simple as reaching for a packet of noodles off the damn shelf at the supermarket or something right something simple like I reach above my head and like I can reach the thing obviously I've, I've got the damn thing in my hand I just need to bring my arm back down to me and just as I'm doing that people will like rush over into my personal space and be like do you need a hand with that and I'm like Look, I know you mean well but I've already done the thing can you can you not like I, I understand it's you're trying to be helpful but if there's any able-bodied people listening to this if you see a person with a disability grabbing something off the shelf for themselves don't automatically assume that they're struggling or need help. Uh, like, just ask them as opposed to rush up and grab the item out of their hand and put it on the lap because we're not children. We're not dogs. We don't need things done for us. We don't need a pat on the head. Like, if, if you saw an able-bodied person with a broken arm trying to reach for something off the shelf and they were struggling, I'd probably ask them first if they needed help before diving right in. Because another issue I find when people dive right in is like they make me drop things. Like I'm trying to grab something and, you know, they grab the same thing in my hand. I just, it, it's a whole thing. My kind of maybe this is me because of the way I.
from Cindy she says she's a person without a disability but she has a son with autism and she finds our conversation very enlightening I'm glad we're entertaining to you Cindy I, I hope I'm not uh, rambling too much and boring you all but uh, I'd also like to say that it's really awesome that you as a, a parent of a child with a disability are actively looking into disability culture and understanding that early on because i'll discuss my own experience here uh, as i've mentioned before i've got a, a 21 year old sister with mostly nonverbal autism and growing up my parents were very sort of ableist in the way they treated her and that they still are unfortunately but that's a whole different story but I believe that could have been prevented had they engaged with people with disabilities and organizations focused around helping people with disabilities early on. So my main takeaway from that is keep doing what you're doing in like understanding the world of disability because one day you're, you're I don't know if he's an adult already, but your son, when he is an adult, you will want him to be in a community where he is supported and has, you know, like-minded people who share the same experience and, you know, friends that you can just connect with. So yeah, establishing those connections early on is, is a vital thing. Yeah, 
what I would add to that is me and what things disability especially in the teenage years and I think I'll use this opportunity to bring back to the point of this upcoming youth disability summit uh, with the youth disability summit uh, it's mostly for people under 30 but there is an open day and I let's see if I can share my screen right now I'll actually show you all the um, the website Let's see, will it allow me to do it? Entire screen, allow, let's see how we go. All right, so have you allowed people to see my screen, Jonathan? All right, cool. Uh, so yeah, 
what you should be able to see now is the uh, registration page for the National Youth Disability Summit. And this was the summit I was talking about, how I was part of the co-design committee for. And the main point of this summit is to, well, here we go. Why are we running this summit? I'll, I'll read it for you guys here. Uh, giving people or young people with disabilities a space to feel included and supported. Uh, it gives them a space to learn, share new skills. Uh, it, it's an opportunity to inform policymakers and in governments about what change young people with disability want. Uh, it's also an opportunity for parents to, I guess, find out what young people with disabilities think on a wide variety of topics. So um, what we can do is we'll actually post some links um, later this week. Um, maybe we can do it tomorrow or something. But, but yeah, basically the, the summit uh, focuses on young people with disabilities, uh, various areas such as access and inclusion, education, uh, pretty much any area of life uh, we will be discussing at some point or another. So if you do want to register for it, we will post the links for that. But yeah, that's my little advertisement for the day done. Uh, that and the summit is from the sorry, I have an absolute scatterbrain. I've been studying too much. Uh, it's from the 29th of September to the 3rd of October. I'm the the organization called if people want to give it. So the organization that's put this one together is called Children and Young People with Disability Australia. Uh, they're based out of Victoria. And the summit is called National Youth Disability Summit. So, for people that come just give make some sort of posts around the page so people can you know get more info before it actually kicks off oh, 
Could you help me put a post together so I can schedule it to go out on Sunday? Yeah, yeah, I can do that, no problem. Anyway, I, I think I've uh, bored everyone thoroughly. Do we have anything else to talk about, or shall we wrap this one up? So, do you have any Maybe. Okay. I know you're not ready with this topic, what I've been working on for Crip Chat behind the scenes. Okay, hang yeah. on. I believe we had a working title somewhere around here. Let me just uh, go through my files. I have been absolutely terrible with my memory today. I have spent all of my mental energy on doing an assignment, so if I make no sense, I apologize. No. Um. take you up on your offer of just a word uh let's see advocacy that's the the t's are all used for the meantime mostly because i can't think of a, a, a better sentence than that <laughs>
Could, uh, give away a virtual cookie just like a, a PNG edge of a cookie so there's uh, there's some oh. incentive I do have a few shirts with our logo I could probably send them Sure. Yeah, we could do that to sweeten the deal. Yeah. So call it an episode. Yeah, I reckon we should wrap things up. So Look, you guys have been spectacular tonight. It is your common light, love, hey, I See you.
Thanks for watching everyone. And now everyone's favorite part to watch a lot of and uh,